Hey guys, welcome back to the Realities of Addiction. It's Jaden, and today I'm here with Christine Davidson dun, 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 for episode two. Today is all about the second part of Christine's story and just her recovery. So Christine, how exactly, what was the moment that you started towards the direction of becoming clean? Well, hi Jaden, thanks for having me back. Um, my moment of clarity of what it's called is, or was, when I was sitting in a jail cell in 2008, one more time, I had no clue I was gonna get clean. It was just, as I said, one more time. Um, I actually figured I was on my way finally to prison. Um, I had definitely done enough in my addiction and in that crime that I was incarcerated for uh, to be sent to prison. And I already. What was the crime? Um, that particular. <laughs> we want to know. What that was... particular crime was a six felony kind of day. Uh, it was a lot of stolen cars, a lot of stolen car parts. Um, you know, it really didn't matter what kind of crime I was committing, anything to further my addiction um, at the time. I had already had a warrant out for my arrest they were looking for me for a burglary and while I was incarcerated for those stolen cars the detectives found me for the other case which was a the burglary um, there was a lot of stories going around in that home invasion I tied up an old lady she wasn't old and she wasn't even home but you tied her up no, no she, she wasn't was, she home. Was, okay. the, yes the stories just grew kind oh. of like a you know I don't know kind of situation but anyway here I was locked up one more time and um, I was probably locked up for maybe about a month so I kind of looked a little healthy already and um, and Child Protective Services came in and they they called me down to the spare room and they said we have your children in custody and how I, many kids was this um so it was two kids actually but so i really did i i was so sick in my disease and so self-centered i said you don't have my kids in in custody what are you talking about you're mistaking me for my celly and my kids are with my mom and you know and i was all that in a bag of chips talking back to cps and they said no not those kids we have your other kids and um and here's they were serving me with papers and i would be in court the next day family court so they took me shackled up to family court and I had an opportunity to see my um, daughter Marina and my son Alex for the first time in what would be almost 10 years. Uh, they were 15 and 16 or they were 14 and 15. Um, I think they were 15 and 16 years old and I hadn't seen them since they were five and six. Uh, you know, and so Marina's like a woman almost. Yes. Like. Yes, she, she was. She was grown. She was, they were both grown. Grown, yeah. They both. were both grown. The last time I'd seen them, they were five and six. Um, and so I was smiling and I was happy to see them. And, uh, you know, I want to back up. I remember before they brought my children in that the judge told me to sit down and shut up. That you're only here because you're their biological mother and that we have to inform you we have your children. You're not going to get them. You're not going to get services for them. You're not to even gesture, gesture them. Um, and if you do, we'll take you back, you know? And so when they brought my children in, they were happy and they were smiling to see me. Right. And, and I was waving at them literally through handcuffs at my hips. Um, I don't know if you can imagine that, but that's what it looked like. Right. And I knew they were happy to see me. So they take me back to my cell after that day is over and my moment of clarity was 
I was in Seven West at Sacramento County Main Jail, and that's the women's floor. And when they shut that door, I looked around and I realized 10 years earlier, I was in that same jail on that same floor on a 10-day hold when uh, I should have been in family court, when I couldn't get there, and when I was in there on a drug charge and the family court judge dispersed my children away. My oldest and my um, youngest had went to my mother. The baby, which would have actually been the youngest, his name was Anthony, was adopted away. And my two middle children, Marina and Alex, went to their father. And that prior to was just about the last time I'd seen them. Uh, I didn't, throughout my addiction, have any contact with them. I didn't get letters. Their father disliked me very much for probably good reason, right? I was a sick person. Um, And so, you know, what I can tell you is that was my moment of, okay, I might have a drug problem. (laughs) Just then. Just Just then. At what age was this? Um, That was at 39. 39. That was at 39 years old, you know. Um, Yeah, that was my moment of clarity. That was when I thought, okay, all these years, people telling me I had a drug problem, might there might be something true to that. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. (laughs) So after, what, when you say moment of clarity, that's just when you picked up that you had a drug problem, but when did you decide what to do next, how to get clean, if you wanted to get clean? All right, so I had been introduced to Narcotics Anonymous, um, which is the 12-step fellowship that I'm a part of, um, years earlier through detox in 2005 and 2006, 2007, right? Um, Just basically all the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the late 2000s. Um, 2008, one more time, right? So uh, the average woman doesn't go to detox four times. Uh, you know, that might have been a symptom of you might have a drug problem, but I couldn't see it. Um, so... Throughout those processes of being introduced, I had known where to go, right? I had been introduced to meetings, and so this beautiful thing happens with the 12-step fellowship that I'm a part of, which is Narcotics Anonymous. Um, We go into jails now, jails and institutions, rehabs, prisons, and, you know, um, carry the message that there's hope out there to find any way to live. And there was a beautiful woman who brought in a message of hope from Narcotics Anonymous. She gave me what's called a basic text, which is a book. And, uh, and I was able to hit the button so that I could go to a meeting when I was incarcerated. You know, um, I was able to read that basic text and understand that that is my life on every page of that book. And, um, and what does it, it say? Um, it just talks about the disease of addiction. And like how you fall into it. And it, it, like what we're willing to do for it, which is everything and anything right it talks about us our our souls um how we don't want to deal with fear and hurt and pain and sorrow how we mask everything i mean there's so it's a great read even if you're not an addict right it's a great read um and so so she brought in this message and when i got out i knew where to go i knew where the meetings were and I, asked, uh, I ended up at my mother's house that same day, and by noon I was walking to a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and, and that was like the beginning of my journey. I didn't do it perfectly in the beginning. Uh, I just knew I didn't want to use. And so I kept showing up to meetings. I kept, um, you know, uh, some amazing things happened to me. Um, I ended up becoming a college student really fast out of the gate. Like I was, 
um, released in April, and by August, I was a college student attending my first semester, right? And I was a dropout at the age of 15 years old. So, so it was good for me, good for me, good for me. So, you joined college, and then what happened after that? Did you get a job? Uh, so, <laughs> well, yeah, so... Um, school became my new addiction, right? Uh, and I can say that because, you know, like I was taking 12 units, 15 units, 18 units. At that time in early recovery, I wasn't working the 12 steps. I wasn't able to sleep. My mind was still running uh, 100 miles a minute. And I was pretty much still insane. I just knew I didn't want to use. Um, I was still a scary person. I was still really loud. And I still cussed every other every other word. Like, I was still not a nice person. Um, but I managed to go to school, and I was only averaging about two to three hours of sleep at night. So it became really easy to stay up all night and do all my homework, and I was an A student. It was like, wow. And so throughout that process, in my spring semester, this organization that I work for currently um, came out, and they recruited me to be a volunteer tour guide for children's safety and so children's safety yes here is the funny (laughs) you say that Jaden. here is the funniest thing to that so i became a volunteer tour guide for children's safety when i was one of the most unsafest people out there um and i didn't even have custody of my own children (laughs) and i had lost all my children because of being an unsafe mother Right. Um, So that's what we call a living amends. Right. Like that's how quickly my life was changing. You know, um, I kept showing up to family court even when they said they didn't want me there. It was a glimpse to see my children. Yeah. And and so uh, six months after my release date, they offered me services. You know, by then I was about a year and a half clean. And it's really easy to test clean in a pee bottle when you haven't been using drugs. And uh, I, nobody ever told me that. <laughs> what? Like, oh my who god! Have, who would have thought? Who would have thought? If you don't do drugs, you didn't have to fake it this time. It was right? too easy. It was just you just pee. That's all you had to do. Where do you want me to pee? I'll pee for you anywhere. And that's what ended up happening. You want my pee? You want my pee? You got my pee. You it's got clean. my pee everywhere. I'll pee for you anywhere. <laughs> and um, and you know, I ended up actually getting custody of my son out of foster care um, at 16 years old. And my daughter emancipated out of the system at uh, 18. And um, you which know, son? Alex. Alex. Oh, right. He's yeah. the young one. Yeah. He's the, yeah. Alex. So um, you know, we just keep going on. You know, we reunited. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't even know much about Alex because he'd been out of my life for so long. But you know, we persevered and we kept going. And um, and throughout that process, I was. I had the ability to visit my younger daughters like almost instantly because they were with my mom. And, you know, uh, and they were staying the night with me all the time and, you know, and I'm going to school all the time. And I think one of your questions here, what's your next question? How did you exactly rebuild those bridges with your family members? Because, you know, your mom, of course, didn't trust you for a very long time. And I'm sure the kids were just cautious because they didn't know how you would react. Well, you know, so I had it pretty lucky, you know, um, they loved me. I loved them. Um, my, what my mother for sure was cautious, but she was tired as well. Um, my mother and I have not always had the strongest or, you know, we've had just a a crazy relationship, but what I've learned through this process is like, she's my mom. Right. And she's the only one I got. 
and um, ups and downs, good or bad, she's my mom and I love her, right? And as and I can, I hope that it turns the other way. And as crazy as a, a daughter she has, um, and as much trouble as I've got in, ups and downs, I I think she understands I'm a, her only daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and there were a lot of things that have gone on in our lives that have bonded us together, right? And so my children were happy to see me. Um, Irene, my daughter, had always, always, always been with me or her father, Mark. Um, and so, and Cassidy as well. Even though we were out in our addiction, um, they were always with Mark. They were always with him. And if I floated through, when I floated through, they saw me, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, so they weren't afraid of me. They, they knew who I was. And here I was doing something different. It was a little odd. Um, I remember at one point my son, Nico, um, telling me, actually, I think it was in early recovery before this time when I stayed clean, which was September 5th, 2008, one of my first times coming in, you know, my son had come to me and he was like, you know, mom, I love you so much. Um, but when are you going to get back to the money? Like the things I had taught my children were not the things that normal mothers teach their children like when are you going to go back to you know I I miss all my stolen merchandise I miss Mm -hmm. all my you know um the money kind of aspect of it and so um I think they understand now that for me to be in their lives right actually it's not about what they understand it's what I understand I know that I'm an addict and in order to have my family, in order to be able to work, in order to be able to continue to mend those fences, I need to continue working a 12-step program. So that's what I know. Like I live and breathe the fellowship that I am a part of right now. Um, and it, the process has been slow, right? I can tell you that about five years clean, I even, like I have an amazing relationship with my father. And about five years clean, I said, I think it was five years clean, that like the day I said, Dad, I got five years today. And my father said, you don't have crap. <laughs> he used another word. Yeah. But he said, you don't have crap. And, uh, and I know what he meant now, right? It was about year seven when he was sitting at my kitchen table and I was making dinner and I do that often for the family. He said, and I, I had some fresh eggs for my chickens because I raised chickens. And he said, how many chickens do you got now? And I said, Dad, I got 20 chickens. And my dad laughed so hard, the biggest belly laugh ever. And he said, you know, kid, I think you just might make it. And what he meant by that was I was completely different, like 180 degrees from what I had ever been like before, yeah. right? And so, so you know, and I, and I understand that, right? You know, he's like, you might have half a chance now. <laughs> <laughs> well, to the audience, I can tell a bit of my point of view. I remember the first time I met Christine, I already had all these thinkings and expectations, and I didn't really know exactly what she was going to look like. But she looks like everyone else. She looks normal. Like, she's she's aged well, and, like, you know, it's just you would never guess that she had been an addict for 30 years and, like, had a leg blown out, like, things like that. Like, you never would have guessed a gun held up to your face. All these different crazy stories. It's just insane to imagine you once being so within your disease that, you know, you described yourself before as, like, a monster. And to see you now, like, it's just crazy. I was so far in my disease that I took a razor blade to my stomach and cut it open because I was abscessed so bad with a spider bite that um, I could fix it myself, right? 
Like, I, there was never a reason to go to a doctor. I, I wouldn't go to a doctor. Um, I, it, I could fix it. Well, because they'd know you're in drugs. And I could fix you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and people trusted me to fix yeah. them because I did such a good job. Yeah. You know, we're sick. Yeah, we're sick people. But so now, you said you're very heavily a part of Narcotics Anonymous, and you are a sponsor for other people, right? What is a sponsor, and what exactly do you do? Well, so, once again, like I said, I'm part of the 12-step fellowship. Um, So, there is a woman. um, I'll be sitting with her tomorrow. Her name is Linda, and she is my sponsor, right? She guides me through the 12 steps, um, and, and they're in order for a reason, and... You know, I'm not going to read them off to you. I, I don't know how to quote all our literature. What I know is that, you know, I, I work them, I live them, I embody them. And I, for us, it's like a, a simple plan of action. Um, we work with others. We trust the God of our understanding. We um, be of service. Um, I don't use in between meetings. And I give back what was freely given to me. And I'm sure, oh, and I attend attend meetings. I'm sure there's lots of stuff in between, but it's pretty simple. And what I know now is like I sponsor probably about six women um, uh, through taking them through the the 12 steps the same way that my sponsor took me. Um, And we just do this um, freely. Like tomorrow, I'm going to be sitting with my sponsor and dropping my first and second step. Um, Wednesday. What does that mean, dropping your first So, uh, dropping means I've completed the work, and I'll be sitting with her and talking about the work, mm. right? And so, what happens usually is lots of tears are shed, um, lots of laughter is made. You know, it's my time to um, sit down with another human being and talk to them about... There's, there's actual, for me, a workbook. There's a workbook out there, and we just answer the questions. Um, and then, it's a time for reflection, you know, and... Although I've done this a few times already, I continue to do it because I continue to, it's, it's like more will be revealed. Like, oh my gosh, look, here's Jaden. Here's Jaden Greenfield. Oh my God. You mean I had another kid? Like, that's how crazy my life was. I did not know you existed. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's a true story. So now I get to process all of that. I get to process pieces of my life that are coming back to me. Right. Because I was so far in my disease and so far living in denial, right? And so rather, I don't live in denial today, right? Mm. Pieces come back and I get to, um, you know, work through the pain and, and the guilt and any shame that might have been happening, you know, or that might have come up. And really, there's not. I have such, such a sense of freedom for who I am today. Like everything that I've done in my life has brought me to you has brought me to your family has brought me to my children has brought me to my grandchildren i have four grandchildren who have never seen me loaded beautiful grandchildren beautiful grandchildren not only that but had i not done the things the way that i did them they they might not even be exactly i wouldn't have been in this family if you exactly who knows so every little step of the way i've done things was done divinely that's the way I look at it right that's the way I look at it um and and that's the way I move forward so I give back um I work with others often right Wednesday night I'll be in Folsom State Prison I go in now on a regular basis to Placer County Jail and 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 carry the message through what's called H&I it's hospitals and institutions for addicts who are in there just like I was in Sacramento County Jail and I go into Sacramento County Jail um a couple times 
uh, a month as well. So to I people do, who want to hear or to anyone? Uh, no, to people who want... So we, uh, we go in specific floors and specific pods and they have to, you know, talk to... So it's 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 open to anyone, but they got to, like, get on the list. Oh, they got to choose to be there. They got to choose that they to be there. be there. Right. And then they got to... Yeah, exactly. So... And some of some people come just like I came at one point in my life many times as I was locked up just to get out of the cell for an hour, mm-hmm. right? Because what incarceration looks like in Sacramento County Jail is you're locked up for 23 hours a day and you're out for one, right? So if if somebody's coming in with a, a, a small meeting, sure, let me out for that hour too, just to get interaction sometimes, right? Um, yeah, that's what it looks like. Jail seems like it sucks. Well, you know. It is, it, it does. I don't suggest it to anybody. It's dirty, it's smelly. You're confined and locked up with somebody you don't like. I was, it, that somebody you could not like could have been me because I was not a nice person to be locked up with. Um, I'm, I am not even remotely similar to the person that I used to be. Not remotely. I was quite scary. I can imagine. All right. Do you have anything? that you would like to add because that's the end of my questions but you know the story better than I do um I'll just fast forward and move fast forward it and move it along really quickly right it doesn't matter at what age you decide to change your life like I didn't really get clean and start making changes until I was four I think I walked out of jail at 40 years old right um I, I also want to um stress how it's never too young to say I've had enough. I've had enough partying on the weekend. I've, I'm starting to screw up in the mornings before I even go to school. You know, I'm hanging out too much with my friends uh, at lunchtime. We're leaving campus or, or we're going, you know, after school to hang out with friends. Like I remember when I started partying, that's what it looked like, right? I was just partying on the weekends. Um, and then it became, let's hook up before school, let's hook up at lunch, let's hook up after school. Um, I don't have time to go home now. My grades are slipping. I'm not playing sports. I'm, you know, I'm getting in trouble at home. I'm getting in trouble with the police. You know, all of those things. I remember, I can remember when those things started. So I, I want to stress that it's never too early to start to recognize those situations in your life and know that you want to change, right? Um, Focus on your goals, hopes, and dreams. Focus on college, career, family, friendship, love, love of self. Um, All those other things don't last. And forgive. If one thing I have learned from finding my bio parents and like a bunch of siblings, it's that forgiveness is such a strong thing. And you know what? Everyone is deserving of it if they're willing to make a chance to show that they want to change and the forgiveness that my siblings and you know just the new family members that I've met it's just honestly it put me in awe and my parents too we all talk about it because just Christine's whole journey is just really eye-opening you know anyone can do it at any age like she said and it has a lot of good outcomes yes woohoo yes so With those final words, I'm going to end this episode. Thank you all for listening. And big thanks to Christine for sharing. So listen to my other episodes, and I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you, Jacob.